Why did you decide to detransition? Was there something that happened? Um, I don't know that much about gender dysphoria, to tell you the truth. I don't either. <laughs> nobody does. That's what I'm trying to say, is nobody does. If we knew what gender identity disorder was, we wouldn't be doing surgery on kids. Chris Beck, welcome to my podcast. I'm glad to have you on here. Thank you. Uh, can we start off by you giving a brief background about who you are and what it is you do and a little bit about what you've been through? Okay. Well, my name is Chris Beck. I'm known as a Navy SEAL. Well, actually, originally I was known as a Navy SEAL and that was about it. And then after I retired in 2011, I was uh, I started feeling things that made me want to change my life a bit. And then in uh, 2013, uh, 14 time frame, I came out as transgender. And then, uh, and I lived that way for, you know, quite a while. And I say I lived that way as a, as a past tense, which isn't really proper because I think that's the misconception a lot of people uh, don't know is that transgender, is, it's not transgender, it's gender identity disorder. And uh, that's something that I had. And I think a lot of folks have it except that mine was possibly a little bit extreme because of whatever reasons. And then I also, uh, I was retired and I was at that point in my life where I was like, I don't care anymore, you know? And then I, uh, I came out as Kristen and they made a, a movie on CNN about it. And then, and then everything just went off the hook after that. Uh, I went on a lot of news programs and uh, all kinds of things started happening. It was like the floodgates opened up as soon as you go on one episode, it just, it just goes wild. And, uh, and now in, you know, this year, I announced publicly that I was detransitioning. And I was already, and I don't, the word detransition, I'd love to talk about that also, because that's just a ridiculous word. But um, I, I started trying to go back to who I really was. I tried, to, I tried to figure out what was wrong. And I had to do this all on my own, because I had no help doing this. I asked for psychological help, you know, in different ways. And I, I almost felt like the psychological community is, is like a, is on a track and I don't understand it. And so anything that was wrong with me, they would just keep going back to transgender or saying something about identity and all this stuff. And so that's when I started really digging into like Carl Jung and a whole bunch of other books and, and uh, Jordan Peterson, as a matter of fact, I didn't know you were his daughter when I first said yes to your podcast, but ah, I, uh, that's cool. I just, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a whole other story. I don't, so I, I just. I feel that I had to do it on my own because I didn't have any help because it seemed like it was such, it was propaganda. The problem I see right now is, and it's the same problem we have with everything in life. It becomes political. It becomes binary. It becomes, well, actually binary is not that big of a deal when you're talking about people, but that's another little joke in there. <laughs> but the, uh, the, it's a, I would just say the Hegelian dialectic, you know, it's like they always want us to fight. They want us to be in this camp and that camp. If you're in the middle, they get mad at you. And then they try to force you on the one end or the other. And I've always had a problem with that because I'm very much in the middle. I'm extremely conservative on some points. I'm extremely liberal on other points. And that's, I think most people are like that. But I got pushed into these camps and I was like, I don't want to be in those camps. And so I started going towards the middle and then both sides hate me. And then I'm like, well, I don't, I'd rather be hated by both sides and be myself and be real, you know, be truthfully me, which is very much in the middle. I'm not Kristen. I'm not Christopher. I'm, call me chief. 
you know, because then you're getting rid of all that baggage that I had before and all that baggage I had after. And uh, all I'm saying is my potential, you know, look at me for what, what I am and who I am, not by labels or not by the clothing I wear. You know, don't judge me on my fashion because my fashion sense is, is flannel shirts. If you look at what I've done in almost every interview, and it's the same flannel. I own like three of them, and I'll never wear anything else on an interview. And uh, I'm actually thinking about dyeing them all black because the same shirts, but just dye them black like Johnny Cash because I'm so tired of all this. I just, I'm waiting for something to just, it's going to blow up. And that's the part that people do not understand is that they're lighting fires everywhere on both sides of the aisle. So you have the right lighting fires on the left and the left lighting fires on the right. And you don't think that's affecting people? So they're taking all of these issues and they're making them political and they're making them egotistical. They're making them into money. And money's the biggest problem. But, I mean, I could go into this stuff for you forever, but I want you to know, like, my stance and where I am. I had gender dysphoria. And, and I think gender dysphoria is something that, if you're transgender, you all have gender dysphoria. You don't have transgender. Transgender is like the end result of the high-level gender dysphoria, is the gender identity disorder. And it's something that you can work with. Now, for me, most of the life, I was, I was between, and I'm going to do a 100 scale. I was like maybe a 10, I was a 15, I was a 20. Sometimes when I was like anxiety or I was stressed out or whatever, I might be like a 20 with identity going, you know, there's something going on. But then when I retired, it was pegging way up there. I was like maybe 60% because I was just fed up with everything. And I also went through a lot too in my life. It just made me start hating myself, which is kind of what all of the universities seem to be teaching really well these mm. days mm-hmm. is how to hate each other. And which I quit school. I was doing my master's in mental, uh, in mental health counseling. And I 100% quit school over a philosophical argument with a teacher. They were teaching CRT, this professor. And uh, the professor started out as a third grade teacher and now is a professor in college. And it, it was still third grade levels crap. They're teaching yeah. this hatred against the entire white race. Every time she would say anything about white people, it was like, white people. And it was like, and it was like yeah, but... I'm white and I don't, I don't hate myself. Well, I do sometimes. I mean, I do dumb stuff. Don't we all, you know? Yeah. But I'm not, I don't generally hate myself. I don't hate white people. I don't hate black people. I don't hate Asian people. I don't, I don't hate anybody, you know, flat out. That's ridiculous. Who in this world? I don't, I doubt anyone truly hates everyone from an entire sect of people, you know, and hate a label mm-hmm. or hate something that I'm born with. I hate you because you have brown eyes. Well, I hate you because you have blue eyes. It's the same thing. You know, I'm born how I am, and you're going to hate me because I was born? Come on. But that's what they're teaching at universities. So when they started really hammering it, I wrote a paper. It was an opinion paper. And my opinion is my opinion. And if you say it's an opinion paper, how are you going to grade me and give me a 50% out of 100 for my opinion? Yep. It was a punishment because I challenged the professor. Because I said, this is wrong. I started bringing up, and I talked about this on another podcast a little while ago. It was like great Zimbabwe and all the kings and queens of Africa and these greatness that happened throughout the centuries on this continent and the birth, you know, the cradle of civilization. And I could go on and on and on. And this is stuff that I was writing in my paper saying that there's no reason for, you know, people to hate each other. Look how great the greatness. And we've had greatness and everybody's had greatness. Plus, we've had failures. And we've had mess ups, you know, we've done stuff wrong as nations, as peoples. Every people's done stuff wrong. So if you want to start hating people, then hate all people. 
You can't just pick one group of people that in history did one thing. And what, slavery in America was like 70 or 80 years total, if you really look at the numbers? When we were done, 1776, and when it was, when it was over, it was barely a blink of an eye in, in all of mankind's history. You know, no, you I'm want to sure talk about your, I just, your teacher this kind of like stuff that. really bothers me, you know? But that's yeah. why I quit college. When I started seeing this, this hatred against people, I started seeing the same thing in the trans community about the labels and about hatred and about setting these labels up for failure. And I don't want to hate myself. And, you know, so I started looking at all of this and I put this entire ideology into the same group as CRT that they're purposely separating people for whatever reasons and causing discontent and causing hate by labels, by um, mental health issues that are exacerbated into surgery, which we don't do for um, anorexia or any other, you know, thing that's bodily uh, issued, you know, eating disorders. I don't see you doing teenagers' uh, surgeries for somebody who has an uh, eating disorder, you know, and, and I can go through this forever. But so that's, I mean, that's a huge explanation of me. But um, you just have to understand that all of this happened. I would have been silent. I was already out of transgender 100% a while ago. And I understood it start to, for me, it was gender identity disorder. was a mental health issue, which I can deal with. You know, I can work on that. But if it's something that you tell me that's permanent, that's something that we're all born like this, we're all do this, and, it's, and there's only one way to fix it, well, that's bunk, you know? Because you're putting a blanket, uh, a blanket um, solution on every human being that shows up saying anything about being a tomboy or, hey, I like to mm-hmm. wear, you know, freely and soft things sometimes. It makes me comfortable. Oh, you're transgender. It's like, come on. You know, the whole thing has just been blown out of the water so far that I just, I had to start speaking out. I wanted to be silent. I never wanted to come on these programs. I, uh, I did that one with Robbie Starbuck, which, he, you know, great people, and they did a good job. And then I went on Tucker Carlson for like four minutes. And those are the only, like, yeah. mainstream I've done. And I will not do any mainstream. Every time I come on these kind of podcasts, because I looked at a little bit of stuff, and I actually looked up the wrong person first. But <laughs> I looked stuff up, and I see if somebody's a good person, and if they're putting yeah. out pretty good information. And then I say, yeah, I'll go on your show. But as mainstream media, I just keep saying no, not doing it, you know, unless you That's just give wise. me my my ability to, to speak and don't interrupt me. And Tucker was kind enough that he did that. If you look at the Tucker Carlson um, show that I did uh, a week ago, he just lets me talk. And then when I finish, he says, wow, good point. And then he goes on to his next thing. So it was, he was very respectful for that way that he let me speak. And the message that I was trying to give on Tucker was we're all people. We all struggle. The main message is we all struggle. You know, we all have issues. And uh, I have my issues. And you have your issues and everyone. So why would you want to pile on top of somebody else's issues? Or why would you want to take your issues and, and shove them on top of somebody else to make their issues even, even tougher and, and uh, mess with their life, you know? And so I'm saying that to all those folks on both sides of the aisle. That's all you're doing. Everybody on the right has problems. Everybody on the left has problems. Why do you keep piling more on top of each other? I don't understand that. You know, people need to start waking up and look at your neighbor and look at the folks living in Canada and Mexico and all around us. We think that we're some kind of like great nation that we can do whatever we want and forget about those guys north, forget about those guys south. They're our neighbors. We're the same. 
And then I say, look across the pond at Europe. Look at Russia, Ukraine, all everything. We're all neighbors. This is a really small planet. So my whole message is just wake up. Start being nice to each other. Stop piling on. We have enough problems, you know? I mean, I know I spoke for a long time, but no, I, just, no. I live this every day because my heart hurts right now to see where our country's going and to see where the world is going. We need to do something. People need to wake up and chill out, have some compassion, and go talk to your neighbor in person. Don't Facebook them. Don't Instagram them and all that tweeting stuff. You know, walk next door and talk to your neighbor. Start speaking face to face or you're never going to get true answers. You know, we got to start conversing. I like that. I like that a That's lot. That's about I, it. <laughs> I, com- I completely agree. Well, that was a very good introduction. Um, I, I have a bunch of prepared questions for you, but um, I thought one of them is um, what are your views on whether, okay, so I'm not, I don't know that much about uh, gender dysphoria, to tell you the truth. I don't either. <laughs> nobody does. Like that's depression. What, that's, that's real. That's what I'm trying to say is nobody does. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing surgery on these kids, you know? If we knew what gender identity disorder was, we really knew what it was, we wouldn't be doing surgery on kids. We'd be digging in there and looking at the underlying causes. We'd be looking at anxiety, at depression, at a myriad of other things that could add up to gender identity disorder. We got to look at childhood trauma. We got to look at generational trauma is one of the ones that we keep missing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so many things. So the fact is, those psychologists that think they know, because they went to surgery, they don't know. So if you really want to know what it is, you need to speak to some other folks. I think talk to some philosophers or maybe some religious people because at least they're trying. You know. Yeah. I like that that idea of generational trauma too. That's something I kind of was like, nah, that's kind of hippy dippy. But then I started looking at my family and and you know, with there's alcoholism on one side, and you know, I know my great grandpa was dropped off on a doorstep when he was a baby, and then these kind of things do modify your behavior, and then you teach your kids those behaviors that are modified. So there really is something to that generational trauma. Hundred percent. I could go into that one pretty deep because I've passed on my own generational trauma. I had two boys, and uh, unfortunately, some of the things that I've learned to stop doing, you know, now I uh, I did some of that to my to my two boys. And oh, that's and my I, worst it nightmare. My heart. Yeah, I saw you know. So I have a five year old girl, and I noticed, and I was I was quite ill for most of my life. Um, I had very very crippling depression and um, arthritis. And I noticed some of the behaviors I did when she was really little. And, and I, I tried to stop myself as soon as I noticed myself doing them and her mimicking them. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want some of these behaviors passed on. I need to get myself sorted out right now. Yeah. That's awesome. You broke the cycle. That's awesome. Well, hopefully. I don't know. I'm sure I've passed on plenty of problems. But at least I, I think I got some under control. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you think, say you have a kid who's experiencing gender dysphoria, what should a parent do? You do what parents do. You love them. You talk to them. You have a lot of conversations. And then if there's conversations that get beyond you, you find a good counselor. You know, even though I'm giving a lot of crap to counselors and all that, there's some amazing counselors out there. One of my professors actually at the university I was going to is an amazing counselor. 
and I would go to him every day. And he's a childhood counselor. You know, he he does a lot with youth, and uh, Dr. Curtin. And uh, you need to find someone like that, someone who's like open-minded and doesn't have an agenda, doesn't have a narrative, doesn't have like he no push, because it has to be a very open dialogue and just let let them speak. And uh, you'll want to do individual, but you're going to also want to do group with with your child. Because I think that's important because you should be able to know all the stuff that's going on and be able because you're with your kid more than that one hour session with a counselor. So you should mm-hmm. kind of know what's going on so that you can continue when you're home. Now, it's not you're going to let your kid be a kid, you know, but you're not going to force the kid one way or the other. You, surgery is definitely not the answer because this is a lot. It's much more internal than it's external and an external solution for anyone, you know, is going to be an issue. And when I talk about gender identity disorder, I'm also talking about women and men who uh, do the uh, very far out um, gender uh, surgeries that they do, you know, when they do the, the massive uh, breast augmentation. Or you have guys putting these huge calves in their legs, you know, the guys that have really big upper bodies, but mm-hmm. they have chicken legs. So they put, they add calves on. You don't think that's gender identity disorder? Now, the good part is, is those gender identities are in line with their um, physical sex. And so it's easy to cover up. It's easy to hide. It's easy. Everybody accepts it. And the problem in society right now, thanks to the Kardashians and all the other crap, they, uh, it's, it's, just exo- it's like way over the top. So for women, um, women and the female uh, gender identity disorder, so it's, it's aligned, it's parallel. What are they doing? You know, if you look at those magazines and look where the Kardashians are going and all those other people, they're, they're, it's almost a, it's like mimicking, you know, real women. And, and you know what I mean? And I think men do the same thing, which they all want to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger or all the other folks who are, you know, way over the top, you know, bodybuilders and all that. But they can't do it because physically not everyone can do that. Physically not every woman is going to be, you know, looking like a Marilyn Monroe hourglass figure and everything else. It's just not possible. You know, we're all different shapes and sizes, and we should be proud of that. Whenever they talk about diversity, it just cracks me up that they miss the whole point of diversity. You know, they want diversity, but they want everybody to be the same in their diversity. You know, if they wanted to invite somebody to talk about diversity in a LGBTQ environment, I would be the most diverse person that they would ever meet because I'm transgender. I have gender identity disorder, so I'm still in your group, you know, and I was a Navy SEAL and I was surgery and no surgery and detransit, all the other stuff. You're not going to find a more diverse character, but they kick me out. They don't want diversity. They want diversity as long as Mm -hmm. it lines up with their agenda. You know, and then when you start talking about inclusion is a whole nother thing. I don't know if they really know DE and I, if they really understand what inclusion really means. You know, there's a there's a lot of these little issues that seem to be exacerbating and just going in one direction towards the same slippery slope. It seems like everything keeps aiming at the same thing to uh, get rid of all the whites and and then we're gone. You know, that's what it seems to me. And I don't get it. That's what they're teaching in universities. Every time I go to DE&I, that's if you're not, you know, if you're white, male, and especially like Christian and middle class or anything else, you're not allowed. You're excluded. How is that diversity? I don't get that. You know, I mean, I'm rambling on a whole bunch of different things, but all of this is it all adds up together. And if we had enough time, it all comes together. It's all the same stuff. 
It's taken words, it's taken labels, it's taken all the stuff, and it's changing them to meet narratives. It's changing everything to meet an agenda. Rather than taking a word, it means this, and it's like, well, that word means that. Well, maybe we need to invent another word. Or like even the sports, you have uh, male and female sports for, for reasons, you know? If I was to go in and fight UFC when I was supposedly transgender, and I'd fought UFC when I was claiming, you know, a, a female, which I never really did. I was like, being women and being female was different in the way I saw the whole thing. So if I fought UFC during that time period when they would have let me, do you think I would have just crushed everybody? I mean, I probably would have gotten beat. There's some tough ladies out there, but I, I mean, the power and the ability that I would have that barely any women would ever have because of the testosterone going through my body for, you know, 40 something years, you know, and just the, the sinew strength and the ligament connections, yeah, just yeah. the way I'm built, I would crush all those women. And I just thought that would be unfair, just like ridiculous. So I never even entertained the idea that I would ever compete against women in anything. You know, they even said that I could apply for uh, these special grants and things, these women grants. And I was like, no. And I said, that doesn't even make any sense. You know, so I did kind of put myself, whether most people have noticed it or not, I don't mean anybody noticed it, but I had myself in kind of a different class. I did not want to, um, I mean, no, I did kind of mess up a little bit where I did encroach a lot on a women's territory. So I wouldn't say I didn't, you know, that was a huge mistake. And I admit that. But there were definitely areas that I would never think to ever cross those lines. And right now, all the lines are crossed and there are no boundaries. And now they're actually changing definitions of words. You know, that, how does that make sense? Who do you think, like you said, it's part of a bigger agenda. Do you think this is, this is coming from something external or is, is this just people making things crazy within America? <laughs> within America? It's, um, for a while, I keep pointing at Sweden. And, and it's been a couple of years I've been talking about the Netherlands, Sweden, and Scandinavian countries who are very far in front of this entire transgender curve and the transgender surgery curve especially. And uh, about a year ago, I think they started doing this really big study, and it's called the J-curve, and it's in Sweden. And it's the gender surgery or gender um, identity J-curve, and you can look it up, Google it. But uh, they had this, it was, the curve went, and it went, it shot way up, and it looked mm -hmm. like a J. It went, bam. It was a 1,500% increase in uh, teenagers identifying as transgender or non-binary. 1,500% increase. Does that sound like a popular or, or fad or something? Does that sound like somebody's pushing it or it's, it's, it became so popular that the wave kind of picked up a lot of people? Well, that's what Sweden found out. And so Sweden kind of they didn't put a halt to it but they said hey we need some studies we need to figure this out so sweden reacted the government of sweden and people there they went up in arms they were like what's going on this doesn't seem right and they did the, the curve now goes way up and now it goes it starts going way back down oh wow and who knows know where that. it's going to go but they corrected it and the biggest thing i keep talking about is if somebody has has you know, GID and they have, you know, they're transgender and you want to do surgeries and you're over 18 or you're over whatever age, you know, rock on, you know, do your thing and have a great life. You know, I congratulate you. The thing is, if it's teenagers and you see this 1500%, you know, uptake in this going on, there's a lot of people getting swept up inside of that tidal wave. And when those folks that are in that tidal wave 
when they graduate high school, when it's all over and they no longer have that peer pressure, they no longer have all those hormones running through bodies and it's all wild. You know, high school, high school is just, yeah. it's one of those times where nobody wants to redo it. It's crazy. Yeah. So all those folks that get swept up in this tidal wave, when the tidal wave is over, when you're done with high school and you're sitting there 22 years old and you have a job, you start really thinking, all those folks that got wrapped up in that tidal wave, what's going to happen to them? And so they keep saying they care about trans kids, mm. they care about trans kids. They keep saying how much they care. Do they care about those people that are getting swept up? Do they care about the people that find out that this wasn't really me because I had boom, 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 they start going down the line of other things? Or they had really intense gender identity disorder because of all of these reasons? Or all my friends were trans, so it was just, it was easier. You know, that's kids. That's how kids talk. You know they do. When they start really thinking about it when they're 22, 23, 30 years old, what happens to them? Now, for me, when I say I care about the kids, I care about all the kids. I care about those kids that have gender identity disorder, the gender dysphoria, and I care about the ones that have it really bad that might end up having to have surgery later in life. I care about them. I don't want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy. I also care about the ones that the transgender community does not care about. I care about the ones, the trans kids that they say are trans kids. I care about the ones that you do not care about. The ones that when they're 22 years old, they found out they made a mistake. I care about them. And those are the ones, if you start looking at the rates of taking their own lives, of everything oh. else that's going on. This is the problem that nobody wants to talk about. And I feel like I'm the only one talking about this. And I know I've when I was on Robbie Starbuck, I was very emotional. And I was, I was very, very lucky that my fiance Courtney, was there with me because uh, she's an academic and she, she goes right into the academics of it. And I'm very passionate. I go, yeah. And then she goes, dude, dude. She just starts going right through it. And so she's, you know, magnificent when it comes to that to just talk me down a little bit and make me not be so passionate. But I do want you to understand that I, I do care about all of those kids who have gender dysphoria and, and want to do surgery later in life, you know, off for it, you know, but follow the guidelines. And right now the guidelines, I've been talking about this again for like a year, is uh, the Harry Benjamin protocols. And uh, they, they started canceling all the stuff out and he went to WPATH. And uh, the WPATH, I said a long time ago, has been, um, it's corrupted. It's, uh, it's, it's gone to the point where it's just a, it's a check in a box and then the other part is that everybody knows how to game the system. So they have coaches for transgender mm -hmm. kids now. And so if you're a trans kid and your parents don't agree with what you're going on, they can hide it and do all the stuff and you'll be assigned a coach. You'll be assigned an older transgender person to sit right there with you and give you the words. Now, does that sound good? What does that sound like to you? I mean, that sounds kind of like... um. I don't know. I've known some religions in the past that used to do that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And then they all end up drinking Kool-Aid, you know? They don't last very long because the whole thing falls apart because it's a house of cards, you know? And they're building a huge house of cards that's worldwide. And uh, I don't want the rest of the world to look at America that we're all doing this because I think it's a very, very small number of Americans. And I don't want you to look at all the transgender people. The older transgender people that I know I've been calling me and writing me notes and saying, yeah, you're right about this, this, and this, and this, but this is, and I'm like, well, I was right about a lot. And I said, can you keep digging and look at more of it? And I said, yeah, yeah, we, we want to. A lot of transgender wow. people, the, the older transgender people that, that I know are, uh, are a little upset. 
You know, I think it's more of an activist problem. I think when you get these people in there who are being paid and they're activists and they have, they're, most of them have good hearts and they want to help. But there comes a time when they're activists and I don't know if that's a word, but activizing, I don't know, when they're doing it so hardcore and they're so wrapped up to it and that becomes their entire identity. So their identity is no longer human. Their identity is no longer American. Their identity probably isn't even transgender anymore. Their identity is an activist. And all they're trying to do is recruit and get their side of the story out and then make sure any other part of the story is as quiet as possible. And for me, there's a guy named Goebbels that did that really well. You know, Ooh. I mean, it's propaganda. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is uh, I can tie it into politics and religion and all kinds of things. All the failed states and all the failed religions and all the failed everything that you see start out with a lot of good intentions, even cults. And uh, fiance mm -hmm. Courtney, he's a, she's a cult expert. That's one of the things she studied. And she's oh, been coaching cool. me through a lot of this. And I'm just like, my, it blows my mind when I start seeing the parallels. And if somebody would write a paper on this, it's a PhD thesis. Maybe she should do it. But the, um, <laughs> I just, I keep finding things that line up. And, it is, and it's just, it's horrible. And uh, if you're a kid, you have no chance. And uh, at least I had a chance, you know. When I was a kid, you know, I grew up. And I was a kid and I hid a lot of stuff. And then I finally started after I retired. And then, uh, and now I look back on my life and I still cannot pinpoint the exact time. And I can't pinpoint any like one event, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's like the death of a thousand cuts, you know, it's, um, it was just a whole bunch of little things all adding up. And then finally it broke, you know, and I just, I think that happens with a lot of folks, you know, if you're not taking care of the small things, all those small things will add up to really big later in life. And I think that's the value of having a good coach or a mentor or that good counselor I'm talking about. Or even if you had a parent or a sibling or somebody you can speak to, we all need to talk to somebody because none of us are right. None of us know everything. You know, we need to go out there and mm -hmm. investigate and have dialogues and speak. And I'm speaking way too much. I'm sorry. I no, think no, I'm no, answering no, no. most of your questions. No, no. I that's just why, realized that's I said, why well, I'm talking too much. That, no, no, no. That's why you're on here. Um, I think I think the lack of communication could easily be contributing to just mental illness as a whole. I know that if I like during COVID and there have been periods of time where I've been isolated in my life and like I don't stay sane for sure. Like for sure, you, you need to be able to talk out loud to somebody about what's going on around you to make sure it's real. I think. Well, if you if you think about prisons and you think about like wartime and we have somebody in, in a POW camp or something, what's like the worst punishment you can give somebody? Isolation. Yeah. You know, yeah. you put them in isolation and after a while, the person's going to break. You know, they're yeah. going to give up the information or they're just going to go in. It really does. It affects you heavily. We are social creatures. You know, we have to have that social, you know, everything, you know. So, yeah, isolation is terrible. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much, you know, especially younger generations now with spending a lot of time on TikTok and just being fed, you know, certain things through TikTok and not hanging out with their friends or going outside. I don't know what kids do now, but I don't know if they go outside and play in the streets like they used to, like even I did when I grew up. Um, that's got to be isolating too. Even though you have social media and friends on social media, it's still, it's not, not real. Friends. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said to social media is 100% isolation. If all you do is look at your phone, you're not with anybody. You're with the digits, you know? Yeah. It, we need to go back to an analog world, you know? And I've, I've been going around my entire house, LEDs, everything, and I'm going back to analog. 
I don't want anything digital in my life. If it's not analog, I don't want it, you know? And I, and I count that for people too. There are some very digital people out there, you know, they run on computer programs and uh, that's like, there was a book I read called the, uh, it's a chimp brain paradox. And, uh, most people in this day and age, because of the society we're living in, they're all digital. They're not even living on a human way and humans are analog. We run on analog, everything, you know, they're digital. They're running computer programs. It's a yes and no world for them. You know, I hate you. I love you. And it's not everything. It's, it's the same problem. Yeah, that definitely contributes. I like, I worry about that for myself too. I have a podcast, so I spend a lot of, and I, I have a lot online, you know, a brand and I help my dad with his online I guess you could call it a brand and so I'll, I spend all my time on a computer but then I, I section off periods of the day because I have a five-year-old so I section off where I'm like okay got to put my phone down you've got the red do light you do the blue blockers too. I you know I do I don't have them here but I definitely better do, do. Blue I should wear them more all the time every time you're on a computer you better do blue blockers because there's the frequency of the blue light that's coming out of here is very very dangerous yeah it's, no I can uh, feel it it's yeah it's bad so do the blue blockers when you're on a computer, especially if you're on it every day. Yeah, I should do that more. I have yeah, a, I, I, like, I changed my phone cover. So my phone kind of takes away all the blue light. So at oh, least yeah. I do that. But I used to be better with the blue blockers. Awesome. Yeah, I dropped it. I dropped it. Um, do you have anything to say to kids who are, say, I, and I feel like this happens a lot, especially in more, probably more liberal areas of the country, if they're having gender dysphoria and they're in school and they're being encouraged to do surgery and told, Hey, you know, the suicide risk is higher, but if you do the surgery, your suicide risk will drop. Um, do you have anything to say to kids considering surgery? Um, and I, I would say something kind of funny and this would be pointing more at the parents would be, um, your kid's chosen name or what the kid wants to be called. And I mean, when I was a kid, what would be like a, a silly name that some kid wanted to be called when they were kids? You know, call me fire truck. You know, I'm not saying I want to be a fire truck. It's just Scarlet a silly name. Pocahontas. Yeah, Pocahontas. So, yeah. so what you should do is have your kid just saying, Hey, let's, um, let's just tattoo Pocahontas across your forehead and just hold, have that for a while. Cause that's what you want to be. You want to be Pocahontas. Let's just tattoo you for a while, but do it with like Hanno or something. And then just have like this giant Pocahontas, you know, or something across your face. So everybody sees it every second. And then we'll see what happens, you know, and, and it would be a permanent tattoo. If you could, and then you let them know the permanence of it. You know, what if you had a mm -hmm. permanent tattoo across your face with something like just big label, so that every time somebody saw you, they saw that giant label across your face and it was, it was the only thing they could really see, you know, and then see how you feel, see how people treat you, see how it all fits in. And then how, what, what do you feel about that? And just the conversation alone would be, you know, well, a permanent tattoo across my face. Why would I want to do that? Well, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, it's something that's very permanent and it's right there. It's in front of everybody. And it's something that's really hard to change. So if you got like a, a giant tattoo across your face, to remove tattoo is very painful. And it takes a long time and a lot, a lot of money. And it's the same thing as that. So for me, I did get breast augmentation, you know, and that was also just, I don't know what happened. And that was another thing that I'm trying to find out what I did wrong as far as me needing that for me to be fulfilled and whatever, you know, intellectual or uh, mental health reason. And at the time, it seemed right. But as I look back on it, it was like, I, did, I don't know what I did. And then, so 
they're doing a permanent uh, surgery to their bodies that they're not going to change very easily. It's very difficult to change, very painful. And some of the changes, uh, Chloe Cole, I bring her up because she's one of the only public, you know, younger transgender people that she had just surgery. talked to dad. So, dad, dad oh, called me to yeah. Dad called me today, and I said and said, oh yeah, I'm real. I really want to get Chloe Cole out. Yeah. I was like, oh, who's Chloe Cole? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm talking to Chris yeah. back today. So yeah, well, she's an excellent example, and I don't bring up any other ones, but there's there's hundreds. And the thing is, is like they're still young. And they don't want to be in the news. Chloe is taking a lot of heavy hits, and I hope they don't use her and abuse her like they did me on CNN. And she's still very young, and I was an adult when I got used in kind of that machine of um, yeah. that mainstream media. And you know, I mean, you've been on enough shows and things that it's a machine. It's entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to use you up as much as they can. Hey, go on this show, go on this show, go on this show. And they're doing that to Chloe. And I do hope if Chloe hears this, you know, take a, take a break. You know, I did all those new shows. And if you think you're going to get something out of it, you're not, they're getting something out of it. You know, it's not going to be a moneymaker unless there's some way for you to move it into that. But it's it's just news. They just want to chew you up, entertainment, and then you're done, you know. And and I I feel bad that she's just so young and doing that to her. I hope somebody's helping her out and just talking to her and saying, hey, yeah, we do that one and not that one. Start being very selective, you know. Mm-hmm. That would be a good choice. But for parents, like I said, I was being a little bit tongue in cheek about the tattoo thing, but I'm being very serious too. When you do those surgeries, it's like something on your face. It's like right there, all of it. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees you. You see all them, and you have to feel it all the time. Every time you look in a mirror, you're going to feel it. Now, you're going to feel it really good. You're going to love it, you know? But what happens when you don't love it, you know? And then you can't change it. That's what I'm saying. It's just so permanent and so right there. And the other thing is, is they talk about gender being um, fluid. They talk about non-binary. They talk about these 50-something, or is it 80 now, genders and all this stuff. So why are all the surgeries only binary? And that was something I asked people all the time. It's like, well, can I have a surgery that's non-binary? Well, there is not one. So what's non-binary? Oh, it's fashion. Okay. So now we understand non-binary. So I can put on clothing and and be non-binary? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're good. Uh, Yeah, if you're a girl, just wear jeans and a cowboy hat and you're non-binary. Well, no, that doesn't make any sense. So there's just so much stuff. And I know I'm... I'm at the point right now, and I think the whole world is getting really close to that point. Well, I'm just tired of it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I want it to be over. It's just like the the end of the fourth quarter, and it's a tie game. And it's just everybody's tired. And then everybody's crying about everything that everybody's dying. And it's like, I, I I don't buy that. You know, I buy the thing that somebody's life is in danger if they're not able to talk to somebody. So if there's a kid that's in school and they start becoming transgender at school and then the parents find out about it, the parents are going to be pretty angry and the parents are going to say no. I mean, any parent would, wouldn't they? I just got tricked and my kid comes home and this is what's going on. Well, let's just hold the horses, stop right here, and uh, let's go talk to somebody. And then that kid gets so upset that they move out, they become homeless, and then what happens after that? So there's also a lot going on where I want parents to know that if your child does this, and they do even do it behind your back. It's your child, you know, and you can still talk to them and you can work this out, you know, go to some counseling, you know, read about the Harry Benjamin protocols, read about a lot of the other stuff. 
there's a there's hundreds of books out there that could be very very educational to people on both sides of the aisle and uh one of those books i think it was called born in the right body uh there's a there's a bunch of books out there i could i could probably send you a list of books that are very very interesting that yeah. if you start reading these stories and these are actual stories in this one book by a whole bunch of uh, transgender people who have detrans or transgender people who are still trans. It's a, it's a mix up of stories and a lot of women too, feminists and anti-feminists and all kinds of people. So you try to collect the information from all sides of the story, read some different books. Don't just read the one book that you get from, you know, that drag queen's library, you know, that book probably isn't going to be very two-sided. It's going to be a very one-sided book. And that's a problem. I don't want all these parents and I don't want all these kids to only get one side of the story. And that's one of the biggest reasons. It's probably the biggest reason I even came out and started speaking out. Yeah. And I know Chloe's doing a great job and I don't do very many of these because I just want to have enough of a voice from some of the uh, elder uh, trans people who have been there before and I have a little bit of a name that I just want you to know that my voice is just backing up Chloe to make sure that people listen to her and to make sure that she's taken care of the way all those other kids need to be taken care of. You know, listen to them, find out what's going on, find out why the surgery happened and who authorized it, where it was going, what was the diagnosis. And I'll go through the entire DSM if I have to with each one of these kids to find out what was going on, you know, because they're missing something. Something is missing, you know, and I, I just want to lend my voice right now that I am here. I am not transgender by the ideology that currently exists. I have what they used to call gender identity disorder. And unfortunately for me, it's a cross identity, which causes a, a lot of issues. They're not problems or challenges. It does help in a few different ways. You know, in my Fashion sense is fabulous, you know. I'm just kidding. I just I have to have some levity here because this stuff is just so so like harsh, man. I yeah. just there are things that I know where I'm different that I do think a little bit differently. I don't think like a woman, but I do think, um, and it starts turning to stereotypes if I start doing that. But there are some things that I do and I and I act like that. I think would be part of that cross identity type of a thing. And I think if we start really looking at ourselves as humans and people start being honest with themselves, you're going to find that we all have a lot of that. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is like maybe I let mine affect me a lot more for whatever reasons, you know? And, and if you have those guys who are lifting weights and they have the chicken legs and they're putting those giant calves in, you know, you have identity disorder. You're just lucky. It's parallel with your own, you know, you know, birth sex, you know, I just, there's a lot we need to work on. And the only way we're going to be able to get through this is for people to start being honest, for people to start being honest with yourselves, honest with your vocabulary, with the words you use and being precise with those words and then just speaking to each other and in a truthful manner, not your dialogue, not your narrative, not your agenda where you're trying to do something for yourself. You know, do you think I gain anything from doing this? I, the only thing I gain is a whole bunch of death threats. Yeah. You know, Oof. and I'm honest about that. I get death threats. I don't make a cent from doing any of this stuff. And I will never make a cent from any of this stuff because I think that would be kind of gross. You know, I just, I'm going to live my life and just, I'll give speeches. You know, I, I give talks like your dad does, but not 
his level. Holy cow. But I do get invited to give speeches at corporations. And I talk about diversity and inclusion. I talk about the SEAL teams. I give them SEAL team stories about things that I learned, like the really hard way. It was like this one time, it was like in the middle of this compound, and we were going after this guy. And there's a baby crib right in the middle of this, like, we're fighting. And uh, oh, I ran no. in the middle of it and got this baby out of the crib. And I was like, I talk about that kind of a story. And then I try to relate it. That every day you're walking down the street, you have a chance to save somebody's life. And I said, it might, it's not going to be in a firefight and it's a baby in, in a country and all the craziness that I had to deal with. But every day, if you start observing, you're going to see people in stress. You're going to see people in trouble. And if you just give them a kind word, if you give them a smile, when they go home that night, they might have a little different outlook on life. You know, and that saved a life with a simple smile. You know, and I've been talking about giving people smiles and trying to help in this little way to save people's lives for years and years. And uh, I wish people would start doing that. I was I was walking around Costco just the other day uh, doing that pre-Christmas shopping. That was just chaos. But <sighs> the whole day, I knew it was a super stressful day. And Courtney and I were here also. And we were just walking around and we made it an effort. We made it an effort to greet everyone we saw if they were you know, open it that, and we were greeting yeah. people left and right saying, Merry Christmas. How you doing? And just being funny and joking with everybody. And you wouldn't believe the responses we got. It was like people were stopping their shopping and just saying, what's going on? Hi, how you doing? You're having a Aww. wonderful day. And we just started talking and it was, and that was a simple thing that we were trying to take one of the most stressful shopping days. Just everybody's panicking and the parking lot was chaos. If people <laughs> would just slow down, have a smile, a short conversation, we maybe took 10 extra minutes out of the entire Costco run, 15 minutes out of our lives to maybe save a dozen lives because now they're not stressed. They're not doing this. They're not going home going, we couldn't buy that Chinese rubber dog shit that we always wanted. You know, <laughs> it's they're out there running around trying to consume this crap. And it's like, everybody's just frustrated. And it's like, we're just buying groceries and stuff, you know, and everybody's buying all this stuff. You know, we need to get all of our regular stuff that we can't buy on a farm or grow on a farm. Yeah. But it's just people need to slow down. People need to start having conversations, you know, and stop buying all that rubber junk, you know, the plastic junk that lasts two days and then you throw it away. You know, go analog if you want to really live. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. I just got sent. I feel like you would like this. I got sent tallow soap. So it's just saponified tallow. Yep. And there's moisturizer. I'll, I'll awesome. shoot you over. I'll tell you what the company is. It's very nice, cool. but it's the same kind. It reminds me, I was like, this is the hippiest thing I've ever seen. But oh, it's awesome. kind of nice. And we're yeah, so we surrounded soap, so, by, yeah. like uh, you said, blue yeah. lights and social media and <laughs> ideology. We try, to, we try to make all that stuff ourselves. You know, we don't really need to buy that stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. Okay. Let's see. Um Okay, so you've been going on these podcasts. Um, who are you getting? Who are you getting death threats from? That's horrifying. That's got to be stressful. No, nah, I mean it's not that stressful. I, I mean, guess I'm a. I'm kind of used to. You it have experience now. with stress. Yeah. Well, here's this thing that I see, and that's why I don't really. I'm not really. I mean, I know it, it'll probably happen, but I don't. I'm not worried about it. You know. I, at the same time, even when I came out in uh, 2014, 13, 14, whatever it was, I, uh, I got death threats back then. And it was from the other side. 
I mean, I was, mm. I'd get death threats from like old military buddies, you know, pretty much, you know, saying, you know, if you come anywhere near me, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Oh, shoot. Did I, I just cursed. I'm sorry. No, no, it's but, okay. Uh, oh, I said that word earlier. God, I just, I don't do that normally. But, um, I, uh, I just, I'm not worried about it because I wear the armor of God, you know, and it, and it can be whatever God that you pray to or you believe in or whatever. I know my God. And it's, it's the knowledge that I'm on the right side. It's the knowledge that with everything I read and all the books that I read, and I've stacks of books that I'm trying to go through to try to gain some insight into, and I, I'm a lot the Bible, of course, but I'm Christian, so of course the Bible. But yeah, I read everything too. else too. And I, oh, good. Well, I don't have to say good. It's, <laughs> what are you supposed to say? Like, hey, welcome aboard. Hey, wow, we're the club. But the... <laughs> But Christians don't gang up like that. It's just, hey, this is what I believe. And I think some of the best Christians I've ever met, we don't really go to church because most of those churches are the guys in a pulpit are collecting too much money when they have these big houses and all this other stuff. That's not my kind of church. My church is out there in the woods by myself, you know, reading amongst the trees or one or two people and we just go through lessons, you know. That's the church that Jesus kept talking about that we totally missed the point, you know. He brought us that church. He gave it to us. You know, I don't, Darn, I started doing like a sermon. I apologize. But um, the reason I don't worry about that and I wear that armor of God is because I am, I'm held fast to my beliefs. I know my beliefs now. I lost them for a long time. I lost my way. You know, I felt like it was like, you know, in some ways I felt like kind of like Saul in a way. Then I felt a little bit like Job and I felt like, you know, uh, now I get the Technicolor dream coat. I, I went through all of these things where I had to go through these really hardships. I had to um, figure some things out and I was tested greatly. And uh, I passed a lot of the tests. There are some of those tests that I think I failed that I'm still working on and I'm trying to do better. And for me to be able to even say that, hey, there's the cat back there. The, um, for me, but I'll say that, that I am held steadfast in my beliefs and I read through there and, it, and it's grounded in morality, it's grounded in truth, it's grounded in ethical decisions and all kinds of things, you know, and if you don't have that, then you're a ship out in the ocean with no rudder, you know, and people will make fun of Christians and will make fun of me reading the Bible, you know, because I do it just, if I'm waiting somewhere, I always have my little pocket Bible, it's a motorcycle club Bible, it has a little motorcycle on it, it says biker's Bible. And it, it's one I carried around with me for a long time. And then I stopped. And I wish I would have kept doing that because I think that's what really grounded me. But I just pull it out and I start reading it. And, you know, when people look at me and I scoff. It's almost like, ah, oh, Christians. It's like they yeah. say with white people, ah, oh, white people, ah, oh, Christians. It's like, why? You know, why can't I have my belief? And that's my belief. It's my personal belief. I'm not saying anything to anybody else because I'm standing there reading the Bible. I'm sitting there in a waiting room reading the Bible. It does nothing to you, you know? They just arrested some lady. Was it was like in Canada. She was standing outside of an abortion. Oh, clinic I saw was, that. No, I don't think that was Canada. I think that was the UK. Oh, it was the UK. Yeah, it was the UK. Yeah. yeah. But she was standing there just silently, not saying a word. And then they said, do you know where you're standing? She said, yeah, this is an abortion clinic. Well, what are you doing? She says, I'm just standing here minding my own business. And they're like, are you praying? She says, yes. I said, well, if they ask me that, I pray all the time. You know, I pray with every breath I take, you know, and if you work on... um there's this breathing technique. There's this, uh, the, uh, these deep air breathers, and it's, it's a really neat thing. But if you think about uh, the name of God in, um, in the old Judean way with Yahweh, 
Every breath you take is speaking the words of God. Yahweh. When you're breathing, you're saying the words of God. Oh, that's cool. That's on purpose. You know? Oh, I haven't it's heard purposeful. that before. That's cool. So, yeah. And so I purposely breathe the name of God with every breath I take, you know? And and you're going to tell me that now if I go anywhere near an abortion clinic and I'm breathing, they're going to arrest me? You know, come on. The person was just standing there. What are they doing? Not threatening me, anybody, not talking to anybody, not doing it. Just standing there. So how far are they going to push this? That's the question I have. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that that's the danger, you know, and that's the danger to themselves. So this entire movement that's pushing so hard, they're going to push it so hard and it's going to go so far that there's going to be backlash. And the backlash is going to be as, as much or probably even more brutal than what you're doing to everyone right now. And so, and I'm not, it's not a threat. It is, it's just, it's not even a warning. It's just a study of history. And when I study history, you see it all the time. You know, you see that the oppressed become the oppressors. And if you have a whole group of people right now that are policing language, that they're arresting people for standing around, that they're arresting people because they did use the wrong pronoun, you know, who's being oppressed? That every corporation around the world, every Fortune 100 company, every Fortune 500 company, every company around the earth has a rainbow flag and has this and raise them on the flagpoles and they're having parades and everything. I don't see that for Christians, you know? I don't see that for a lot of groups of people, you know? So you're not oppressed. I really wish that they would stop saying they're oppressed because they can do everything that anyone can do. Do you think the oppression or do you think the violence that's happening is caused because you have drag queens dancing half naked in front of young kids? Do you think the oppression is happening because you have, you know, young kids like Chloe Cole who had a double mastectomy at like 15 or 16 years old? Oh. And there's a there's the youngest case I've ever heard of, which I'll send. Well, I can't send you the data, but it was 10 years old. You know, how, how are you doing surgery that... on a 10 year old? So, you know, how, how do you what do you think? This, yeah. What do you think the steps are that allows surgery to happen with kids under, say, 16 what are they diagnosed with? How is that like a 10-year-old, you said? Even a 14-year-old, like what happens? Do they say that I'm in such psychological torment that this is the only thing that's going to fix me? It's a tactic that I've been using. I've been using it for a long time that uh, they'll tell the parent, you can have a live son or a dead daughter, and that would be for like a trans. And and the, the majority of this movement really going on right now are girls, are little girls. Mm-hmm. And so they say you can have a dead little girl or a live trans boy. And that's the choice they're given. And that's a false choice, you know? I mean, talk about, God, it's a logic trap. Of, it's, a, it's a classic logic trap, you know? It just doesn't make any sense. It's not true. But that's a choice if you have a PhD psychologist or a doctor or somebody else talking to a parent and the parents aren't trained and the parents don't know and the parents love their kid and the parents want their kid to be happy and alive. If you're given that choice as a parent and you don't know, what are you going to do? You know? And then the kids, they don't really know. What did you know when you were 12 years old? What did you know when you were 15? All of you parents out there, all of you doctors, all you adults, look back when you were 15. What were you doing? Geez, if I told you what I was doing, 
we were out there riding pigs and being idiots and building rafts. And we, it was like, we're kids. We didn't know. So to do this, it's just, it's appalling that this has gone this far. And I keep saying the same thing. And I know if you listen to all the words I said, if, you, if somebody actually listens to all this, they're going to be able to pick this apart and there's all kinds of hate. You can pick out little pieces and make me sound really horrible. But I love all those kids. I want them to be happy. I, I, in, a, in, a, in a grand scheme of things, the, the time you're talking about for them during that two or three years of junior high and going into high school or whatever, when you're going through all that, we all went through it. We all had those thoughts. We all had, it, it, it's just wild. But we have to slow them down, you know? They're kids. Yeah. I don't think my brain grew in. Like, I think I could remember a switch when I was about 22 to 23. Like, it, it wasn't even 18. It was 22 to 23. And I can remember thinking, oh, I, I can just think long term now. Or I understand the repercussions of my actions. Right? Because I didn't understand. I just didn't have the thought of repercussions of my actions. Not really. Um, and then sometime between the age of 22 and 23, it switched over. And I was like, oh, okay. I think my brain just fully grew in. Well, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of tests that you do in psychology. And one of the classic tests is a peekaboo test. So there's an age, and I think it's four years old is when they get rid of that one thing. It's, it's their permanence. And so, you know, when you put your peekaboo, and like when you cover your eyes up, the kids yeah, are like, they're, they're like, really, <laughs> where'd you go? Because they don't, and if you put an object behind something and you say, where is it now? If they don't see it, it's not there. I think that lasts to like four years old. And then there's a whole other series of things. And if you study human development, it does. It's all these little things are happening with your brain and how it's developing, you know? And so you're going to have a kid that's still kind of playing peekaboo and then start doing surgery on them, you know? It's just, that's what they're talking about. You know, it's just, it's utterly ridiculous. The psychological community, I hold them responsible. They could have stopped this, you know. And I also hold the um, leadership within the LGBTQ community. Um, there's a ton of things I could talk about. I could talk about the uh, double X male syndrome, which uh, I think they actually erased it out of the books. Um, it used to be a lot of data at, um, darn, what was that? There was a hospital. Uh, Don, I'm sorry, I can't remember. There was, a, there was a huge study, and it was all about the double X male syndrome and some other things. But um, double X it, would have, it would have made it well, scientific. What is that? Well, it, it has to do with there's, uh, phenotypes and then genotypes, and then you have to do that. And then when you start going into all of this, it, uh, it, it, it gets very confusing, but it, especially if those are crossing. And, so, and this does cross. It's very common. And so we have the genotype crossing with a the phenotype, then you have to look at things differently. And it's actually chemical and it's how they, it's, it's everything, you know, and it's actually a scientific thing that they can study. But they don't want it to be science because if it's science, it's provable. And then it's only that person because here it is provable. And so they don't get to have the kind of wishy-washy feeling thing, you know, because right now this entire movement, everything is based on feelings. You know, if you take almost the entire mm -hmm. um, LGBTQ mm -hmm. community, IA, I don't know how many more letters they've added. I think they just added three or four more letters. Um, they have the little red thing on there for sex workers. Now they're they're talking about adding um, maps, minor attracted people and a bunch of other stuff. But and that's the problem, too, is they just keep expanding it. So the expansion of this thing is going to who knows where. But um, this, I don't know.
you know, but these are things that if it's only a feeling and that makes me part of this group and makes me popular, I'm no longer isolated. I'm no longer picked on because now I have a powerful group, you know, and everybody wants to be part of that team, you know. It's either you want to be part of the football team, if you're a boy, the soccer team, uh, the weightlifters, the, the, maybe the pot smokers, the band guys. You want to be part of one of those groups. If you're all by yourself, it's really hard to survive, you know? And so you want to join a group. And if you're that person that's just kind of, you fit in there, you're just going to join that group, you know? That's my group. And then you're now set. And so I... People just need to start studying, and and I can go into that. The genotypes, phenotypes. I think Courtney could do it way better than I could because she also studied this, and she gives me a clue on some of this stuff, and I study it, and then I get, I know about it, but I'm not going to be able to dig in as deep as as an expert could. Mm-hmm. But I bet you there's a lot of folks out there right now that want to look it up, and I hope you do, you know. And I I want you to look at the science of it rather than the feeling of it, you know. If all it took was a feeling for me to be a Navy SEAL, then what would that make us, you know? I couldn't become a Navy SEAL because I felt like a Navy SEAL, you know? It doesn't work that way, you know? And nothing in life works that way. If I just feel like yeah. something, you know? Nothing that's, in life that's works that the way. The entire base of the entire transgender and especially non-binary is just based on feelings and fashion, you know? And and I fell in that trap. You know, I think a lot of women are falling in that trap. And I, and I hope people start opening their eyes up and look at that. It's a trap. Wow. Hopefully you talking about it helps some people. I know um, I know from like having an autoimmune disorder myself, I thought it was very painful and I lost a lot of my life to that. And I felt like the only way that I could make up for that without being extremely angry, mostly at the medical community, was to stop other people from going through the same thing. So if I could help other people avoid that, then I could kind of like, forgive the medical community yeah for not i'm very familiar with autoimmune diseases yeah do you are Uh, you suffering from anything uh not me i think a very close uh okay it's okay courtney was walking through descent courtney has an autoimmune uh disease uh universal alopecia universalis oh my gosh yeah um you should well, we don't have to get this uh, into this on the podcast, but she should give the diet I'm on a go. It's not a quack diet. It's what put my myself into remission and my dad. Mm. Uh, my dad had alopecia. Um, he oh. had alopecia. Yeah, he had alopecia. It it went away, though. He had it in his 30s. It went away. Okay. And then he had psoriasis and then gum disease mm. and um, just various autoimmune symptoms. But I, I know people with alopecia have put themselves yeah. into remission. Talk about somebody who has who has lived a life. If you have alopecia universalis, you lose all your hair. And uh, yeah, I think that happened awful. to her. She was 14 or 15 years old. So going right through the middle of like the most turmoil, like the craziest oh. time. And uh, talk about somebody who's strong, though. Somebody who is strong of spirit and character and everything else. Like live a life like that when you're a kid like that. And she's had it the whole time now. So decades and decades and just everything and you know when you have something like that a lot of other things happen so and like i said everyone suffers you know mm-hmm. just stop a lot on, you know a lot yeah it's amazing how much people can suffer and and you don't know they just show up and keep doing their people thing but yeah i, I like that trying to make people if, smile if you, you want to have a great conversation though get courtney back on here because 
she, the women and gender studies and occult stuff and, and her alopecia and a bunch of other stuff, she just has so much that she'd offer that I think you'd get a real kick out of. Oh, that sounds like fun. Why, why did you decide to detransition? Um, was there something that happened? No, there was, there was nothing. Well, part of it was I started loving myself. I started really digging in and understanding the concept, understanding psychology. Like I said, I started going for a master's degree in mental health counseling, and uh, I learned so much. And there's no way that anybody could learn what you need to know about psychology or counseling or mental health or anything if you don't take those courses. And barely anybody can take all those courses you know, or read all those books and really dig into it. So, and that's why we have to rely on experts. But uh, I didn't have that chance. At the, v at the VA, the, um, the mental health counseling and, and psychology departments at the VA are just, it, it's not good. And so if you're looking for help, and for me, I'm living on my retirement and I don't have a lot, so I'm not going to be able to go hire somebody or do anything, you know? So I just started doing it myself. And that's one of the big reasons why I started going into the course. Good you know, for you. I wanted to heal myself. You know, I was tired of, of everything just seemed bad. I had pretty bad PTSD, traumatic brain injury from a lot of explosions. And then um, I had other stuff going on. I also had uh, an opioid uh, issue for a while there because they were pushing those things on us so bad. And once you start doing them, you, you do enough of them that you're going to get stuck. You know, it's a it's it's one of those it's one of those things that if you if you take some of it and you keep doing it, you're going to get stuck. You're, you're mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a terrible, terrible drug. So I had to heal myself. And then so I was doing that. And right in the middle of that, I met Courtney. And uh, for the first time in my life, I truly fell in love. I, uh, I found someone Aww. who loved me and I loved her like 100 percent. Like, holy. It was um, I never had that before. You know, and I'll tell people who I was with before that I loved them, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It wasn't like that. There was something missing. And I think what was missing was that I wasn't healed myself. What was missing that I didn't love myself, you know, and if you can't love yourself, how do you expect to love somebody else? And so in my healing through me going through these schools and all these courses and reading all these books, and then also me meeting, you know, starting to love myself and then meeting someone else who was actually truly able to fall in love with, you know, really started clicking in. And so that's been a couple of years now. And then um, if anybody noticed, I've been wearing flannel shirts all summer and 90 degree weather because I was trying to cover myself up and just kind of hide and haven't worn makeup for a long time, you know, or anything, you know. And then I, like, I was just at the point where it was like a, a purge, like beyond belief. It was like, if anything even looked even slightly feminine, I would just throw it away or burn it. Cause mm. I just, it, it didn't disgust me, but it made me remember my old self who was just, it was wrong. You know, it made me remember the pitfalls I fell into about the self-hatred and the self-loathing. You know, it made me fall in a pitfall about, about uh, esteem you know, lack of esteem or uh, even ego comes into it where uh, you have to be pretty egotistical to think that you could do something better than somebody who was born the way they were born. It's, you know what I'm saying? So there's all these things that I had overcome. And I did that uh, slowly. With Courtney's help, I was able to do it, you know, much faster. 
then I probably could have on my own. I, I, I probably couldn't have ever completed it on my own because it's very arduous. You know, it's, it's you looking deep inside of yourself and like really asking yourself the hard questions. Like all the questions you've asked me, you're all like, yeah, uh, you know, I asked myself some really hard questions, you know, questions I probably could never repeat on the air. You know, I might in person if it's just personal, but the, um, there's things that you have to dig through and really, really dig. And then you will start learning where you are and you'll start learning who you are. And then you'll start falling in love with yourself, you know, and I'm not saying that it's, it sounds weird, but the way I see it is if I can look in a mirror when I wake up in the morning, and this is another thing I talk about when I'm giving speeches is that how many of you all look in a mirror when you're brushing your teeth or shaving or whatever, putting on your makeup, you know, and actually really look at yourself and just say, Hey, you're a great person. I love you. How many people do that? You know, I can Nobody. do that now. You know, I wasn't you, able to do that for a long time. So can you do that now? I do that now all the time. Wow. I say thank you to myself. You know, I, I bless myself. I say, hey, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I'm doing great. You know, if I see a mirror, I say, hey, you're cool. You know, <laughs> it just, it's a, we have to talk positive about ourselves. We have to start seeing ourselves as good people, as a, as a beautiful person, as a loving person and love yourself. If you don't have gratitude for yourself, you know, you're, you're not going to get very far, you know? And so, and that was all the things I had to learn on my own. And then finally with help, you know, and, and I'm grateful that I had somebody that could help me like that. I think a lot of people are missing that. But if you, just like when we were walking around Costco, I talked about it a little earlier, we were walking around just being friendly and just talking to people. And it was like, we just made a whole bunch of friends, like in, in one day, just walking around talking to people. You know, if you change your attitude, you might find people changing their attitude back towards you, you know, and I think that's probably a really big lesson for a lot of folks that have that self-loathing or have that doubt about themselves or they have a self-esteem problem. You know, you have to start with yourself first. You know, everyone's going to look at you the way you look at yourself. So change the way you look at yourself. Look in that mirror and tell yourself how cool you are, how beautiful you are, how much you love yourself. And then that's going to affect you. It's going to, it's going to stick on you. And now when you walk out the front door, you're going to find people treating you, you differently. And when that starts happening, your outlook is going to change and your life will change. Chris Beck, you are a beautiful person. That was, that was really nice. No, that was really nice. It's like, I don't talk to, I talk to a lot of people, but I don't talk to many people that are just I don't like the word nice exactly. Uh, it's kind of, I think it's kind of empty, but like kind, just yeah, looking to make, thank you. you know, I limit that. suffering everywhere because people <laughs> are already suffer enough. There doesn't need to be any added suffering. That was really nice. Um, can I, can I direct anybody anywhere? Do you have social media? Do you want now, people to go read something? I want, I want everybody to look at the data in Sweden. I want you yeah. to look at the Swedish, um, the gender J curve. You can type in any of those things and it's going to come up. And you'll see some studies from Pink News, but who writes Pink News? You'll see some studies from a lot of places that poo-poo the data and you say it's all wrong. But look at who wrote those things. And then look at some of the scientific journals and look at some of the, and the same thing goes the other way. I can say, look at a bunch of the Christian articles about transgender stuff and you're going to see the same thing. There's propaganda from both sides. I'm not mm. saying that Christians are being propaganda, but I am saying that there is propaganda. I want you to be aware of the propaganda. So what you have to do is you have to research it on your own. You know, look that up. 
you know, and look up the um, the double X male syndrome. Look up uh, gender dysphoria, gender identity disorder, rather than transgender, you know, and just open your minds. You know, I don't. I'm fine. You know, I'm I'm gonna be okay. I don't want anybody to follow me or do anything or I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter. If you want to follow somebody, follow Chloe Cole. You know, I think she's doing a really good job and she's incredibly brave. You know, and I want her to do well. She's had a really rough life, and uh, I want her to to do really well from now. You know. I want her to, she always talks about, you know, meeting someone and possibly having a family and, you know, bless her, you know, and I hope she finds that kind of happiness. You know, that's all I want people to do is, it's almost like the pay it forward thing, you know, but don't give me anything, you know, except your death threats if you really need to, you know, but um, don't, and even that, I just answer them and say, hey, thanks a lot, you know, I get a lot of those. That's but the most infuriating response you could give them. <laughs> but it's um not even do that to infuriate them. I'm just like, hey, you know, I thank know, you. I'm you sure, know, at I'm least sure. they're getting anger out. I want them to get the anger out of me. If they have to kill somebody, please do it. You know, come on, because I don't no. want them to do it to Chloe. I don't want them to do it to mm. these kids or somebody that doesn't deserve it. You know, and I've already been through the war, and I've already I have a lot of scars. You know, and um, I doesn't matter to me. You know, but Chloe doesn't deserve that. And all those kids don't deserve that. So if you want to do something, you know, smile at somebody. Give some kind words, you know, and just be nice, you know, and look at it from both sides. Please, all of y'all on the right and the left, look at both sides. You know, don't believe the propaganda. I don't care who you're listening to. On both sides, you're both listening to propaganda. You know, just look at both sides and see what's going on for real. And that's, that's about it. <laughs> that sounds good. Thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. It was wonderful.